Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and we are broadcasting to you live from Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. We're sponsored today by the PMO Squad. Where advancing project management best practices one client at a time is the number one priority. And I'm super excited today as we have two great project management leaders as special guests, Linda Stanton from WebPT and John Siebela from Cancer Treatment Centers of America. So welcome, Linda and John. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Also for the folks listening out there, We are monitoring Twitter today, so if you have a question or a comment for Linda or John or myself as we get going, please tag it with hashtag PMOJoe, and we will get to you live on air. So as I was getting to know Linda and John a little bit better, uh, you both are involved in animal charities and groups. And in my last show, I had talked about my two golden doodles, Charlie and Jackson, and how awesome they are. But I know, John, you're with uh, Canine Rescue. Mm-hmm. You do work with them. And Linda, you do some work with the Arizona Animal Welfare League. Yep, correct. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so I am a volunteer for AZ Animal Welfare League. Um, for those who don't know, they're located at 40th and Washington Street. And then they also have um, a shop at the Chandler Mall where you can adopt. So always adopt, don't shop. And I, what I do there is I work with the dogs. Um, I love dogs. So I have two dogs of my own, um, Molly and Barnaby. They're little beagles and they're my little children, super spoiled. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you see their pictures constantly. I am, in addition to being a volunteer, I'm also a member of their Young Professionals Council. And so what we do, it's kind of like a junior board position. Um, so we work to raise money for the organization and kind of get the organization out there in front of people. Um, I'm also on the advocacy committee, and we actually went to the Capitol yesterday um, oh, to do some great. stuff for um, AAWL and for the Humane Society of the U.S. So that's awesome. So John, really how about, enjoying it. What about Canine Rescue? Yeah, <clears throat> I founded Arizona Partnership Canine about ten years ago, and we re- rehabilitated about fifteen hundred dogs. And we worked with several rescue groups: Boxer Love, Arizona Beagle Rescue, a bunch of those guys. But we're a level four organization, which means we took the aggressive dogs. So we worked with the aggressive dogs, rehabilitated them. And out of all those dogs, the 1,500 that we did, there was maybe about eight that couldn't be rehabilitated because they were just wired wrong. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we went through this technique, a lot like Cesar Milan's same type of technique where, you know, body language, et cetera, and you speak the dog's language and all that stuff. And we developed a 12-week program to be able to get dogs turned around with fosters so they'd be able to be adopted out. So that was our our mission. So That's great. So. Project management professionals and also animal lovers, yeah. right? right? Well-rounded individuals. I love that. So, Linda, over at WebPT, I know uh, there's been a lot of exciting stuff going on over there recently. Always exciting, yes. And you've started, obviously, we none of us start out as PMO managers or directors, right? We have to work our way up. I know I started out as a junior project manager before making it up to a, a PMO director. What's I think you started in business analysis, right? What is your backstory? Yeah, my background um, is kind of, it's pretty varied. Um, I started my career at Apollo Education Group. Um, They're based here in Phoenix. They own the University of Phoenix. I think they've actually had a little bit of a name change. But when when I was there, they were Apollo Education Group. I was there for almost nine years, starting in um, our finance team, 
working on our Oracle financial systems. I was a business analyst. And what that means, I think most of our people listening today probably know what that means, but just in case. (laughs) So what that means um, is you're really kind of the um, conduit in between the business and the technology teams. And so it was our role um, to do requirements gathering and help create solutions that would make the business more efficient, work better, and make everyone happy. That's what we did. (laughs) Yeah, I have an upcoming guest who's president of IIBA Local Chapters coming up uh, next uh, on the 15th. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to that business analysis, of yeah. course, is so important to what we do as project managers. Yeah. And so um, so throughout doing that, I got exposure to project management. Off and on, we would have you know formal project managers come in. Um, but when I first started out, we actually did all of the above. So we did the BA work as well as the project management work. Um, I moved through different roles through that job. And then I actually got the opportunity to do a job rotation and internal audit. And so internal audit, you might think, well, what does that have to do with project management? But essentially an audit is a project. So you go through your planning phase and your execution phase. And so I got a little bit more exposure there. And, you know, I was kind of like, I kind of enjoy this. And then immediately as I transitioned back from internal audit, they were looking for someone to run the PMO on a very large financial system upgrade. And uh, we had a bunch of process improvements in this huge program, and it took over 18 months to execute that program, and I went to become part of the PMO of that. And so that's kind of where I honed my project management skills, kind of got to see what does a really large program look like and how do you run that? Um, so from there, then I moved into consulting because, you know, it was time for change. I'd been there a while, didn't kind of felt that, you know, I really loved the team that I was in and wasn't sure I really wanted to move to another team. So I was like, let's just grow my experience. So I moved on to PwC to become a consultant. With that, I was in that role for a couple of years. And I'm so glad I did it because I got to see so many different projects that I never would have seen staying at the same organization. Um, Got to work with different clients, do some internal work, those types of things. So I've met a lot of good people and learned a lot. But you know, being a road warrior isn't necessarily <laughs> my calling. Yep, and they're done um, that. Yeah. And so, um, so I was like, I don't know that this is sustainable for the rest of my life. And so, so shout out to all my PWCers who are traveling right now. So I was able to find this really great opportunity at WebPT. WebPT is, um, they're celebrating their 10th year now. They're a startup based here in Phoenix. It's a um, SaaS-based EMR, and they're um, focused on the physical therapy space. And they were just starting their internal PMO. So, you know, it's, they're growing up from a startup into, you know, kind of a bigger organization. And so along with that comes functions like the PMO. And so that's kind of how I ended up there. And so it's, it's, been, a, it's been a fun ride. I've only been there a year, um, and, but been working with the leadership this last year to kind of um, grow the function and working on some really great internal projects there. And EMR, electronic medical record? Yes. For those who are yes. familiar with that, okay. Yes. And, and it's great healthcare discussion we can have today because, John, mm-hmm. obviously with Cancer Treatment Centers of America, your focus is uh, healthcare as well. And we heard Linda talk about starting out as a business analyst and working her way up. How involved are business analysts within your organization? Is that a, a role that you guys have? That is a role we have. We have both the clinical side and the business side. Uh, the clinical side knows about the, you know, the medical terms and the process, the workflow, et cetera. So that, so we've got basically two bailiwicks for the, for the business analysts. So. Okay. And Linda, when you were talking about the different organizations you've been in, obviously mm-hmm. now in a, a healthcare facility or organization, yes. 
very different than an educational institution. Absolutely. How have you found project management to be different within those different industries or the same? You know, from an executing project management perspective, so coming from higher education, that had its own set of regulations. Um, Working in, you know, a financial services industry has its own set of regulations, but moving into healthcare, um, it was very, very different. The execution of the projects are very similar. You just need to make sure that you're really honed in with your compliance compliance experts, as well as um, we have an information security officer on staff who I did quite a bit of work with this last year. And so there's definitely a culture of compliance, which I think we had at my other organizations, but I see it much more in the forefront um, of this organization because we are providing a service to healthcare providers. And I did in the news, right? Uh, WebPT just announced their acquisition yes. of BMS Practice Solutions. Yes. And obviously, you had talked about being a startup organization, mm-hmm. and, and those can be quite hectic at times. Yes. And project management is really about organization, right, and moving things forward. So how do you reconcile the fast-paced acquisition and startup mindset and culture that's at WebPT with mm-hmm. being a structured project management function? <laughs> Very good question. You know, that's the challenge when I came into the role that we were seeing. It's, you know, it's obviously YBT is a very strong culture. They have a very good culture. They, you know, care about employees and, you know, we have a, you know, kind of a laid back dress code and we do a lot of fun events and, um, I've not really done this, but um, they have a capture the flag, you know, that they do and, you know, stuff like that, that is not really typical that, you know, we didn't really do that kind of stuff at Apollo and we didn't really do that kind of stuff at PwC. And so it was kind of a struggle to how do I still stay on top of everything, know what's going on, yet not have all these rigid processes in place that are just you know, kind of weighing down um, everyone's day-to-day when they're not used to doing that. The other challenge along with that, obviously, change is important. And if we need to move to that, we are moving to some more structure where we need to. But we also had a lot of leadership changes last year. So there are processes internally that are changing based on the new leaders. And so just kind of trying to keep all of that um, together has been a little bit of a challenge. But the way that I've managed managed it is really kind of getting to know my colleagues and working directly with individuals and just not necessarily utilizing a tool or a process to keep communication going, but kind of being that catalyst myself to make sure that people are talking. If they have issues, they raise it to me and I can help, um, help hopefully help drive that solution or who the right person is to talk to. Well, I think that's the beauty of a PMO, right, is we run projects for the entire organization. Therefore, you get to interact with every function within the organization and you get to see what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. So having the soft skills, we talked about that in the last show as well, is super critical and important because if you can't communicate well and talk up the ladder and down the ladder, then Mm -hmm. you're going to miss out on the true value you can add. Yeah, absolutely. So, John, with Cancer Treatment Centers of America, obviously, it's not a startup organization. No. Uh, Can you give us a little background as well on the size of the organization, a little bit more about them? Yeah. uh, Cancer Treatment Centers of America, they have five regional medical centers uh, spread out throughout the United States and roughly 3,500 employees. And so are the IS departments based out of Phoenix and our corporate headquarters is in Boca, Florida, Boca Raton, Florida. 
So not too bad. No, not too bad. So yeah. I mean, both uh, warm climates during the winter when people want to come visit. So but yeah, that's that's pretty much the structure of CTCA. I think I want to see if we can work with Phoenix Business Radio X and have a capture of the flag contest here. All the different shows <laughs> that we have on air. Let's. I think we'd win. Uh, because we'd be better organized, right? The PMO, but I don't know. Some of the other ones might scare me off with some of their strategy work. I'm sure I could probably talk to someone at WebPT to get our official rules and we could we could use that and modify it if we need to. <laughs> That's great. With healthcare, you had alluded to it a little bit before, Linda, about the uh, different uh, certifications and clarifications that you have to go through to make sure that you're you're staying within guidelines, mm-hmm. right? Can you explain a little bit more about how that impacts projects and what you need to do from a planning perspective to ensure that you stay within compliance? Yeah, sure. So um, this past year, actually, the first project that I was put on when I when I started working for WebPT was um, to work with our information security officer um, to obtain an ISO certification for our um, product. So the the EMR. Um, I'd never been through anything like that, not having worked in healthcare. So, you know, I, I think the first day that it was kind of mentioned to me, I didn't realize what a big undertaking it was. Um, but essentially, what you have to do is you have to have that culture of compliance. So you have to have all of your processes um, geared toward, you know, making sure that you're compliant with whatever those regulations are. Um, and I can't state all of them. There's no way. I'm sure if I had my information security officer here, he could, but uh, <laughs> that would take the majority of the hour. So it's kind of understanding that, making sure those are baked into your processes, and then also making sure people are aware. So when we were getting ready to bring in the third-party auditors, so let me back up a little bit. How the process worked is our information security officer did a full assessment of the organization to say, okay, what do we, you know, where are our gaps from being able to get this certification? So then we had a huge remediation plan that we had to do. And that that involved pretty much bringing all of the organization together um, to make sure their processes were in place and that everyone was trained on um, the importance of information security and what specifically impacted them. So we had a lot to do this last year, but we actually made it through. So very excited about that. But, yeah, that's great. But now we have to keep it going, right? So we have to make sure those um, those annual trainings or even more regular trainings are put in place so new hires know, existing people know about any changes, those kinds of things. So we're constantly working with leadership to continue following up on those items that we had for remediation and making sure we're constantly improving. So more to come on that. But <laughs> So I had run the... PMO for Wellstar Health System back in Atlanta for a few years. So mm-hmm. I'm up to speed on a lot of the healthcare project management as well. And we had third-party PT organizations and clinics that we worked with. Mm-hmm. Who is a client, right? When you run your projects, are those internal projects? Are you running with vendors? Are you running for end customers? What would be a kind of project you um, have? For my role, most of them are internal or potentially with a third party if we, you know, like for example, with that with that certification, we brought in a third party to do the formal audit and to give us that certification. Um, so from a PMO perspective, my role is to just kind of help internal projects. So for example, with that acquisition, um, making sure the, you know, running the project to integrate um, our new acquisition into our organization, those types of things. We also have um, a project management team who works on our EMR, so the actual product that goes out. And so that's a, that's a separate team from, from my role. What advice you would give somebody, right? Because you've walked the path from 
BA up into project manager and consulting, now running a PMO, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of folks out there that are looking up to that and saying, that's what I want to be when I grow up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. W- what's your advice to them of, of how to climb the ladder and get to where you want to be? I think the biggest thing is through your relationships with the people that you work with and making sure that you're always kind of in front of them, you're, you're growing those relationships and you're learning more about your organization. So I found for me, that's part of why I ended up moving on from Apollo. I felt I was always kind of in this finance role and this finance team. And so becoming specialized, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, you know, people, sometimes I kind of wish I was specialized because I feel like I'm always <laughs> starting something that I have no idea what I'm doing. But and I think in order to be an effective PMO, you have to have seen and done a lot of different things um, because you're going to be thrown all of those different challenges. So if you're used to doing just kind of one thing, um, you're maybe not going to have um, the confidence to necessarily tackle all of these random problems that are coming your way. So I would, my biggest thing would be get out there, network, and when you have the option to take on even projects that you may think it's not important or I don't really want to deal with that. Um, if it's something that's outside of your skill set, put yourself out there and you'll be rewarded by gaining that experience. Then you'll know maybe it's not something you want to do or maybe it is something that you love doing. Yeah, you know, I think uh, one of the things I tell junior project managers is find a mentor, somebody that can step you up through the organization that can guide you and give you direction, but you always need a mentor. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was one of the key things that I always work with with my PMs. So. Yeah. yeah, mentoring's been a very big part of my life. I actually did a podcast, The PM Happy Hour, uh, with Kim and Kate. They're awesome and hope to have them on as guests here in the not-too-distant future. But the entire segment, uh, whole show, was on mentoring. Yeah. And uh, also with the PMO squad, just a plug out to us, we offer a veterans project management mentoring program hmm. where we pair veterans who are transitioning into civilian project management roles with PMPs, and that's across the United States. We have got 19 states represented now. We, every quarter, we put 15 new veterans into that program. Uh, so we're very proud of, of what we do there and how mentoring has become part of our organizational culture, as well mm-hmm. as me personally. Linda, you had mentioned one point working on large-scale projects. Yes. And John, I would imagine with your organization, you probably have some mega projects and, and really large projects you work yeah. with as well. If, if Going back in my history, I started at 3M, spent 16 years there, but I came from an era where PMs were typically engineers. They came up as engineers, not necessarily accounting majors, that type of thing. So spun up a couple of PMOs at 3M. Then the biggest one I did was DirecTV, which was a few years back, but spun them up. But that was a huge project, 100 consultants on that project. And what was going on with DirecTV at the time, their business model had them being at 4 million subscribers. They'd hit 9 million. And they had to redo their satellite provisioning system. And there was a lot of technical stuff there, CRM system. So I helped negotiate with uh, Siebel at the point, at the time, the license fees and the structure. And that was a technology that was selected by uh, DirecTV back then. And Siebel's now part of Oracle. So, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's, you know, some of the bigger projects. So. What challenges do you find on projects of that size compared to maybe, we'll just say, the run-of-the-mill project that you might have? I think part of it is getting the requirements, but I remember having to sit down and bring in eight different business heads into uh, DirecTV into a conference room and said, we're not leaving this room until we define what CRM is for DirecTV. And we spent about an hour and a half, but I was on the whiteboard mapping out all the silos and the areas that touch CRM. But uh, 
And each one of those drove a set of requirements. And when the RFP went out, it went out to all the major players, but there was about 1,500 requirements for this, for their you know, replacement. And they're looking at telco products because they mimic you know, the telephone telephony provisioning process. And that was the part that we, we drilled down. So that was huge. And uh, that project ran for a year. What was nice is I was based in Minneapolis at the time, and I got to fly out every week to Los Angeles. So the weather was great. Yeah. So (laughs) being a native Californian, that uh, eventually we ended up moving back uh, to the Phoenix market. But yeah. So. And you talk about, right, the defining the requirements and working through scope definition, essentially. Exactly. At that point. It, in your mind, because I think we all are using the PMBOK, right, as our mm-hmm. as our, guard, our guide rails as to how to do project management. Right. But every organization does project management a little bit different. Yeah, what was interesting, I, I went to eLoyalty after I left uh, uh, 3M, and one of my jobs was to go around the country to figure out why projects were failing. And so the, one of the first projects I went to was Agilent, which is HP up in Seattle. It was a medical device company. And brought in five project managers and I asked them, okay, where are we in the methodology? Got five blank stares. Next question I asked, what is our methodology? Another five blank stares. So mission's always been whenever I run a project or a program is we always know where we are and what we're doing next the whole, for the whole project team. So it's not a silo. So if you ever ask the question, where are we? What are we doing? You've got an answer. And that's the key. And then we follow PMBOK and we do a lot. We do some agile stuff at CTCA, but 90% is uh, waterfall so okay and yeah. i guess for linda same question right that's a, yeah. a great point john of of how they're more waterfall versus agile how about mm-hmm. at a web pt a smaller startup type mindset yeah so for sure agile um the, for the internal pmo so i mentioned a little bit earlier kind of the difference um so the projects that i run are going to be our internal cross-departmental larger projects that really impact our our staff those, I te- we tend to do a little bit more on the waterfall side from a product perspective. So the EMR, um, all agile. And one thing that I noticed coming into the um, kind of startup mentality when I started with the organization is that they do a lot of process in an agile, kind of in a Kanban fashion, um, which I thought was really interesting. Not something that I had seen before. But I think it actually makes sense, especially if you're in some, if you're in a type of group where you're doing a lot of similar work, it varies a little bit, but you kind of need to keep track of what lanes all of your work is in and kind of have that visibility. I thought it's actually, it's pretty interesting. I'd never really seen a methodology moved over into kind of a, a functional area like that. Both Agile and Waterfall have different disciplines to them. Uh, obviously, they're still rooted in project management. How about tools that you would use, right? Because a uh, some tools are good for waterfall, but may be missing on the uniqueness of Agile. What mm-hmm. tools do you guys use at WebPT or CTCA? We use Project Online, and we actually brought in a consulting firm, Sensei, to get that keyed up for us. So, um, but like, you know, like I said, ninety percent is waterfall, and that things like MRI installation, CT, that doesn't lend itself to Agile because you're installing an appliance, basically. Where the Agile stuff comes in, if we're doing Salesforce modifications or anything like that, that's more the Agile model for us. So, mm-hmm. which is a very slow percentage right now. Yeah. Our, um, our EMR team uses version one, um, throughout the organization, we use Asana. I think they've also used Trello. And from my perspective, we use, um, mostly Daptive, which is a change point product. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Sensei Projects, right? That's a local Phoenix company as well. I know yep. they're blowing it up real well and have won some Microsoft partner awards. 
Yeah, they do the quick start where they actually come in and they quick start a, a process and get it rolling. So you don't. So I mean, we signed up for them. They've been great. We've been having a relationship with them for about three years now. So help me understand a little bit from the product side, right, where Linda works versus the institution side where you work, John. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the unique challenges that you each have within your organizations with project management? to see if there's a difference between those two, right? I've been in both situations and I think I've got a perspective on that, but it would be great to hear what you guys think. Um, so from the type of projects and stuff that I do, um, I think being in a younger organization, um, some of the challenges that we have, we have a lot of new leadership, right? So they're kind of getting their feet wet, understanding um, what they're what they're chartered with, what they need to be doing from having a kind of top-down approach of, you know, these are our marching orders. We've had a lot of marching orders. So I think everybody um, is kind of feeling the stress of all of the change. So it's, you know, it's a little less structured um, than I've seen in in the past larger organizations that I've worked at, understandably, because we're trying to grow. Um, All of those things have a reason. And so, um, so, you know, having seen the organization almost double um, with this latest acquisition, um, I I think we're even in for even more change. Um, but I would say that for me, that's been one of the bigger, um, bigger challenges is trying to stand up a function in an area where there is just so much change going on, um, that it makes it kind of hard to say, yes, we're going to go down this lane. We're going to do X, Y, Z, um, because there could be something else within the organization that changes that makes that irrelevant. Yeah. Typically with most hospitals, uh, the institutional side, it's most of the projects come out of diagnostics, which is your imaging rat on and that sort of thing. And the key for a PM to be successful in that area, they have to understand the workflow. They've got to be technical. They've got to understand the processes. They need to understand the difference between PACS, DICOM, all the rest of those terms. If you put in a fresh project manager that doesn't have, doesn't know, have the knowledge, they end up having problems. And so the key is most of our projects are headed up by folks that have a lot of experience in the diagnostics area, which is, like I said, the primary, most of where all the projects reside. So. Yeah, and I just want to remind everybody that we are live out there monitoring Twitter to see if we have any questions or comments that come in. And I had mentioned a few moments ago that I ran the PMO at Wellstar Health System, and Zachary Fink had commented that WebPT has just integrated with Epic out at Wellstar. So thank you for that comment, Zachary. We appreciate that. When, when we were running the, the PMO at Wellstar, everything for us was patient care right? It was the primary, our, our customer, right, was our patient. So projects really were focused towards how can we improve the patient experience? What are the drivers for projects within your organizations? Um, so we, our customers are our members, right? So they're the, um, the therapist, um, those types of individuals. So obviously everything in our organization um, is driven kind of around making their experience the best that it can be. So WebPT is known for their high level of customer service. And so as we're growing, as our customer base is growing, um, we want to make sure that we maintain that level of service, but also can scale appropriately um, so that we, you know, we're not just adding bodies to hopefully answer the phone, that we're coming up with more um, automated ways to provide, um, provide that service for them. In our case, obviously, it's the patients, you know, with most dealing with cancer and that sort of thing. So it's the mother standard of care, which means you treat a patient as if it was your mother. And that's, that's, that's the, throughout the organization, that's the key. So um, 
trying to reconcile that right from a, a vendor provider service with an organization that's obviously treating patients who are, are there for a specific purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Because project management, our goal is to deliver on a set objective within a unique endeavor with a defined beginning and end, mm-hmm. right? So I'm trying to have our listeners understand the fact that just because we're at different organizations within the same industry, our projects can be unique. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine even within your organizations, your projects are unique, right? So Linda, you had talked about your business acquisition projects versus yes. the product projects. Right. How does a company prioritize which to work on, right? How do you do that to understand which has higher priority to you? That's a great question. We um, obviously we go through an annual annual planning process, and we have teams that are devoted to the product that we're putting out, and then also our our internal um, things. But obviously, the the products that are being put out um, impact our internal teams very heavily, especially um, from our customer service side of things. Um, as new new features are rolled out, those types of things, everyone kind of has to be on the same page and understand understand what the impact is going to be to that member. Um, we also have, you know, if during an acquisition or um, just adding a new type of project that also impacts our internal systems. Um, so there definitely is, you know, some, there is work that we need to do together to kind of understand how, they, how everyone is kind of marching forward. From a prioritization perspective, we just kind of have to look at the universe of things. Our priorities um, from at a project level can change quite often because we're moving in such a fast pace. John, how about you? The places I've been, it's always a governance process that dictates a priority. And that's an executive level function. And they pretty much, pretty much give the marching orders to the PMO. And here's the priority projects. When I started at uh, CTCA roughly five years ago, they had the top eight top eight projects, and they ate first. So if they needed resources, project members would get pulled in. Because typically the constraints that we have on projects is if we have a lot of constraint, you know, resources that need to be used that are being pulled in all kinds of directions. So that's really a governance function. Not In my mind, not really a PMO function. We get our marching orders from the governance process. Yeah, for sure. The other, th- where I do see that the PMO comes into play is c- keeping that communication there and letting uh, leadership know when there are competing priorities. Mm-hmm. And so that's, um, that's the biggest piece, especially for my role in this organization. Cause like I said, with, you know, having new acquisitions, things like that, you know, it ca- things can kind of come up quickly for us. So, you know, having that annual planning process, I've seen a lot of change just come out of that. So it's uh and I think maybe, John, you might be in the minority of organizations that mm-hmm. actually have a well-organized governance process from leadership down. Right. Have you been in any organizations where maybe that wasn't in place? And how did you work through your prioritization with that? Well, when, we, when I started CTCA, it wasn't there. There wasn't okay. even a PMO. There was a strategic office. It evolved, and that's where the governance process was developed and sorted out. So, um, And there's been through a couple of iterations, but then it... Uh, you know, the companies I've worked at in the past, like 3M, there's a very formal governance process, proof of concepts, all that stuff that's put in play. Um, so, you know, I got to see both from a Fortune 50 standpoint of what governance was like versus moving into a new organization where the governance was just being built. So I've seen both sides of the coin. And having gone through that process of building it, what would be some of the struggles that one might encounter when trying to do that? Uh, prioritization, you know, competing interests between different factions within the business. I mean, that ends up being a, a big driver as far as prioritization. And then there's this old saying, no idea will be heard before it's time. 
So you need to be able to understand when to introduce the idea so it'll be accepted. So, you know, so those are the keys, but that's been my experience with, with governance. So. Yeah. Challenge that we see as we're working with our clients, of course, is there's always a finite number of resources, Mm -hmm. both financial and people, but there's an infinite amount of ideas that the organization wants to run through. So how do you create that balance, right? Between finding out, do I have enough people? Do we have enough money? Do we have the right focus on our patient or our customer to make sure that we're doing that? Yeah. We start off with project proposals. And then we go to, if it needs to be funded, either OPEX or CAPEX, it goes for, through a committee process to where it gets approved to move forward as a project. And at that point, that's when you look at competing resources and if it's going to dictate or change timelines and if you're going to have a clear runway on certain projects or not. So that's typically where it, where it resides. And at WebPT, Linda, I know you mentioned there's, you know, it's more fast paced at, at the mm-hmm. current time with acquisitions and others. Where do you envision, right, what does your ideal PMO look like there? What processes would you like to get in place that you're still working to build? Yeah, I mean, it would be fantastic to have, um, you know, a much more formalized intake, um, some sort of committee to review the, you know, projects, the financials behind that, the resources, those types of things. Um, I think eventually, you know, we'll get to that point where we have some sort of process like that. Um, But right now, kind of being the lone PMOer, we have other project managers throughout the organization. Being the lone person kind of at that PMO level, Right now, it's reliant a lot on, you know, utilizing our system where we can, the adaptive system, so we can report out of that and kind of have some visibility across the organization, and then also communicating with each other. So oftentimes, uh, back when I was a PMO director within organizations, we'd make hiring decisions. I would always ask PMs that we were interviewing, tell me about a project that failed. Right. And if they never had one, I knew they weren't going to get hired because we all have. Right. I mean, everybody has something that doesn't go the way we want. John, what does it look like? Right. When a project's ready to go off the rails, how do you how do you see that? How do you prepare for that? How do you recover from that? Uh, You typically the first thing that starts to slide is timelines. They start pressing for more time to get a task done that they've been working on. So, you know, like you said, everybody's got at least a couple, two or three projects that have failed. And if you don't have a failed project, then you've never learned anything, right? And that, that's the key thing to keep in mind. So, um, but yeah, when we interview people, if I get a project manager comes in and says, never had a project fail, then we move on to the next candidate because that's not realistic. So, And how do you recover from that, right? When, you're, when you see your timeline slipping, right? Do you have maybe a gated methodology? Do you have steering committee meetings? What do you have in place? Steer, to steering committee typically. And at that level, it's decided whether we continue on or not. I mean, there's projects that get stopped or canceled because either we, you know, signed on a technology, it wasn't mature enough and that sort of thing. And, and within, you know, cancer centers and within hospital environments, you have genomics, which are huge data sinks. And there's a lot of companies out there that are coming up and saying, we can do analysis on land, labs, genomics, and all that stuff, but they're not mature. And their product isn't well-baked yet. And that's part of it. You need to understand if you want to be a pioneer and take the arrows with the new technology, or if you want to be, you know, coming in second and somebody else is taking the arrows. So that's the key. And that's, that's the discussion that happens. So our last show we did, we focused on project management, soft skills, leadership, communication. What is it that you two look for in a project manager when you're making a hiring decision? Key for me is communication and then making sure that they kind of mesh with the culture. I think those are two things that they can, we can teach them our methodology, which is basically PMBOK with a lot more detail to it. 
but uh, that's typically what drives the decision on who to hire. So, yeah, definitely. We, we always try to hire someone who can kind of fit into the culture, right? So like I've been talking, it's a little less former formal than where John is from. So, you know, you have to, uh, someone can have that experience, as, um, but you also have to know you're going to have to be, you know, pretty flexible at times um, because priorities are going to shift um, quite rapidly. So look for someone like that, someone who has good communication skills and someone who's pretty fearless and can just jump right in. And communication is fairly broad, right? So within mm-hmm. communication, you have motivating, influencing, listening, right? There's a whole bunch of sub skills, I would say, live in there. Is there anything in particular that you would call out or are the keys there? Because to me, what separates a good project manager from Mm -hmm. a great project manager is the ability to have the soft skills. Sure. Mm -hmm. From a communication perspective, I mean, it's all important, right? But I would think listening is a big thing. You really have to understand where people's concerns live. If I, I get a lot done just by kind of observing how, you know, other people interact or, Um, where people feel their pain points are. And then I can kind of dive into that a little bit more and kind of see what's really going on within the organization. So I think you have to be patient and be able to listen. Yeah, Active listening, I think, is the number one thing to really focus in on with the project manager. They got to be able to listen and then articulate what needs to happen next and that sort of thing. But I agree. And I think bringing that back to the, where we started, right? I think business analysis is very important, obviously, as well to be a great listener because you're trying to capture requirements from mm-hmm. end users who may not know that they're actually supposed to deliver requirements to you. Right. So seeing that evolve through your career, Linda, is, is impressive to see that you call that out today because that's mm-hmm. obviously a stayed with you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So shifting a little bit here, when we were looking for a project manager, and you identify these soft skills and you go through the interview process and you've got multiple candidates that are kind of comparable, right? How do you go through a decision process to identify that great project manager, right? What, is, what does that look like? Or if there's there's going to be folks listening, right, who are trying to get new opportunities and they're project managers and they're looking for advice on what a hiring manager might be looking for. Yeah, typically we do three to five interviews on the candidate and it's a consensus process where you go through and you talk about the candidates you interviewed and get a consensus. Yeah, this is a good one, or this is a little weak in this area. And that's, that's how we do things at uh, CTC. And that's how I've done things in the past with organizations. So, but you got to have more than one interview. You got to have, you know, two, at least three, in my opinion, so that you get the right feedback. Okay. Yeah. I like having, you know, multiple interactions Um, at WebBT. We also generally will have someone else either on your team, which I'm a, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Dima one or um, someone else within the organization to kind of help, kind of help understand if they feel that person's a good fit for the organization. And also you have to look at what you're looking for at that particular point in time. Um, You know, when growing my team, I might be looking for something, someone who, you know, is a little more outgoing and can kind of dive right in. But then, you know, later on, I might be looking for someone who has a lot more technical skills, those types of things. I think it's going to vary. You, uh, John, you had mentioned PMBOK, and of course that Mm -hmm. comes from PMI, the Project Management Institute. They have a local chapter here in Phoenix, right? And Mm -hmm. local chapters throughout the United States and the world. How involved are your organizations or you individually within PMI? Me individually, I am um, a member of PMI as well. I'm a PMP and I'm also, I volunteer with the local chapter. I wouldn't say I am 
you know, as involved as I am with AZ Animal Welfare League, but um, I'm, I'm a member of the operations team here for the local Phoenix chapter. Um, and I work with a couple people on our elections. So last year was my first year doing the election process. So if you are a PMI member, don't forget to vote in the next few months when that comes out, um, because there is, you know, a decent amount of work that goes behind it. Um, and then I'll also be doing um, some BI, so business intelligence work with them, um, hopefully very soon. Yeah, we uh, deal a lot with HIMSS, so we don't do a whole lot with PMI because the HIMSS is more focused on the, you know, the medical and the healthcare type of environment that we we need to, you know, do. So, and for those listening, I think HIMSS is Health Information Management. And you're going to ask what that stood for? Or, yeah, I'm so used to just saying HIMSS, but yeah, I think you're you're close if you're not right on. So, yeah. So PMI in Atlanta had a formal mentoring program that I participated in. We had talked about mentoring earlier. And I've been talking with the, the PMI local chapter leaders about events and maybe even coming on the show here as well. If you had a forum of how we could help strengthen project management here in Phoenix, what would be your guidance, not just to the PMI chapter, but just to industry within Phoenix? What can we do to improve project management here? <laughs> I just won't. That's, that's a loaded question. Stumped the guest. I know, I know. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, here in the Valley, I mean, I think the, that the PMI chapter here has done a lot in the last few years to kind of increase participation. One of the things that I've noticed, because I was somewhat active, then I spent, especially when I was traveling, I wasn't very active. And then when I stopped traveling, I tried to get back involved again a little bit more. Um, one thing that I've noticed is they have satellite meetings. So they're not just having, you know, as you guys know Phoenix is quite spread out. I know, you know, mm -hmm. probably drove a little bit to get here today. And um, having one meeting in one location is not going to serve the Valley. And so one of the things that they've tried to do is have these satellite location meetings so that more people can kind of get together it's central to where they live, which I think is a it's kind of a fantastic way to do that. Um, and I know it's starting to be more successful and have more attendees. So, you know, I think I think things like that are great because, you know, we have our own communities. We're not just one, you know, one city, you know, we have our own little communities. And so kind of trying to serve those areas is really important. Another thing I like, I like going to trainings or, you know, conferences, things like that, where I can network with other people. I'd like to see maybe more of those here locally too, which I think would be kind of nice. Yeah, I know. I, I attend the Chandler dinner meeting, satellite location, which is mm -hmm. great. Uh, and then also Chandler has a monthly breakfast meeting where mm -hmm. they have a speaker come in and give topics. Uh, being out in the Gilbert area where I am, it would be really a challenge to get up to North Scottsdale for right. those meetings. So I am very thankful that they offer mm -hmm. those. John, from your perspective, anything that you can think of maybe that we could help here in the Valley, how we can strengthen project management? Yeah, I know. Other than what you guys mentioned, there are a couple of uh, consulting companies that do roundtables. And so directors of PMOs actually sit at a roundtable and it's once a quarter. Point B actually is one of the companies that puts those on. And uh, typically the quarterly, it's a dinner and there's, you know, 20 to 30 PMO people in the, in the meeting. And that's one of the places where we, you know, talk about different things and that sort of stuff. So that's a great idea way to bring those providing service to those who are receiving the service and delivering with the organizations, bringing them together. Right. Like that idea. So I know we had talked about at the beginning a little bit about some personal items with the health um, sorry, with the pets and animal welfare that we work with, giving a, a shameless plug here to myself. I've signed up to run the Marine Corps Marathon in October. 
and as part of that, I'm raising funds to support Team Red, White, and Blue, which is a charity that provides services to veterans organizations. And of course, being a project manager, I'm running my marathon <laughs> and my fundraising and everything as a project, right? Mm-hmm. So you can go to www.pmojo.com, make a donation out there if you choose to, or learn more about Team Red, White, and Blue and what they do for veterans. But my wife gets a kick out of it to see how I you know, plan out my runs, plan out the charity. Everything is planned because I'm a project manager. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing your stuff outside of work, Right. Do you have that same mindset? Are you just naturally a project manager? How do you how do you go about that? Yeah, I guess we're basically all over organized and that kind of spills over into your normal life. And typically, yeah. So, I mean, I can see exactly what you're saying. So, yeah, my husband, who might be listening right now, I'm sure he's like nodding his head. He he better be. (laughs) I'm sure he's nodding his head. One of the one of the things that I noticed that I do, I kind of I have to know what the next steps are. And then the other thing that drives me nuts is when we go out and we're doing errands and I was just talking about how Phoenix is so spread out. So I have to have planned where we're going to go and it has to be the most efficient route. So you can't just go, you know, oh, we've got to do this in South Phoenix and then I'm going to go um, to the Biltmore and then I'm going to go out to Queen Creek and then I'm going to go back to the West Valley. Like, no, no, we have to go into in the most efficient manner and we have to plan out what we're going to do. And, and that's what I found right, is the best project managers are ones who just are, right? You, you don't have to do your job. Your job is you. And, mm-hmm. and that's just natural, right? I, I love when people can talk about that. I feel a little bit like Chris Harrison from The Talking Dead after The Walking Dead airs and he reads the tweets that come in from people. So I just want to say thank you to ZV Fink for your tweet today <laughs> and letting us know that uh, WebPT and Wellstar are connected and their integration through the Epic system. So I certainly appreciate that. And a reminder to everybody, as we have these shows on the first and third Thursdays of every month, please tweet in your questions because we would love to have this be interactive and get direct feedback for our guests and for me. So I guess as we get close to wrapping up here, Linda, I'll just give you an opportunity to say, is there any last things that you'd like to talk about with project management, WebPT, uh, any of the animal work you're doing, where can we find out more information about all of the above? Absolutely. So WebPT, you know, this is their 10-year anniversary. It's really fascinating and fun to be part of such a growing organization. So I think you can find more information about them on their website, so WebPT.com. And then um, I think if you, if everyone has access to my information, I linked um, their LinkedIn information as well. From an AZ Animal Welfare League perspective, like I mentioned, they're at 40th Street and Washington. They're Arizona's oldest no-kill shelter. Um, and I've really enjoyed being part of this organization and getting to work with all the animals. John, how about yourself? Uh, for the dogs, uh, ArizonaPartnership.com is uh, the website you can go to and uh, find out more about it. I've since retired from doing dogs, but my son and a couple other trainers have continued on the process. So they're working with quite a few rescue groups. And then as far as Cancer Center Treatments of America, you know, just Google them and you can find us. And, you know, obviously this should be the first stop for any cancer care. So. And each of us that are there have a cancer story, either a relative that was affected by cancer. We had my wife's, as an example, my wife's best friend passed away at 33 with inflammatory breast cancer. 
And she ended up, we ended up taking her into our house in hospice because her family kind of abandoned her. So, but everybody's got a story like that. And that's one of the reasons we picked the fight against cancer. So that's the reason I'm at CTCA. That's a great mission to have and, and certainly appreciate you sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. So Linda and John, thank you for being on today. I appreciate that. Just want to remind everybody that, as I had mentioned earlier, we are on at 12 noon, the first and third Thursdays each month. Our next show coming up will be March 15th, and we are going to have featured guests on from GE Digital and the president of the local IIBA chapter that I mentioned. I want to thank again our sponsor, the PMO Squad. They are 100% project management focused 100% of the time, and they provide leadership to establish project management best practices. PMO is project management training, PM software selection and support, and also project managers to run your key strategic projects. So that's it for now. Office hours are now closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours, our retrospective on project management lessons learned.